LeadSquared is a cutting-edge CRM platform for enrollment management. With LeadSquared, you will deliver a seamless student experience, streamline admissions processes, lower costs, and increase retention. Schedule a demo at LeadSquared.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the EdUp Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio here with you again on another episode of EdUp. We're at like 420-something as I record this. I have to say, I'm really excited today because my guest is part of a, I would say part of a very uh, specific fraternity within higher education, a growing fraternity um, of an important sector within higher education. And it's been a while since we had somebody of his stature and uh, on, on the podcast and really excited to talk to him today. But before I get to it, you know, I like a little bit of self-plugging here, and uh, I'd like to plug my uh, website, edupexperience.com, where you can go for all of your listening pleasure when it comes to higher ed information. We categorize, categorize everything by, uh, by, well, by category, in fact. So you want to listen to community college presidents? You can. You want to listen to uh, uh, presidents from HBCUs? You can. You want to listen to presidents from public universities? You can. You want to listen to ed tech founders and CEOs? You can. We interview lots and lots of people and hope that you get some development from listening to my guests because, of course, you're not getting much from me other than the self, uh, the gratuitous self-promotion, which, uh, uh, which I can continue. I could do that for about 40 minutes if you want, uh, but my guest is already, he's, he's nodding his head no. Uh, now, so I want to bring him in. I want to bring him in properly. I was going to give him an applause, you know, as I do. So, some guests, I feel like they should get an applause, but I feel like uh, he... I feel like he needs something a little bit different than an applause. So we're going to get ready. Is he ready? Yes. I think he's ready. He's ready. Here he comes. Ladies and gentlemen, he is president Thomas Hudson. He is, the, well, he's the president at Jackson state university. Oh uh, 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 yeah. There he is. Thomas, what's happening? Hey, how are you doing? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> Awesome, awesome. I, I've never had an intro quite like that, so this is, this oh, is a new yeah. one. Well, you know, I, you've had an applause before, but oh, yeah. I, I like the oh yeah button because it kind of, you know what, Let's, we're going to bring the heat. We're going to bring the fire on this episode, right? right. We're going to talk all about Jackson State University and the wonderful work you're doing. Level set for, for our audience. Talk about Jackson State University. What do you do? How do you do it? And then we'll get into it. All right. Well, you know, again, I thank you for this opportunity and this platform uh, serving as the 12th president of my alma mater, Jackson State University. Uh, we're an HBCU located in the capital city of Jackson, Mississippi, and we serve as Mississippi's only comprehensive urban university. We're the only one in the state that has that designation. 7,000 students, 50,000 alumni strong. Uh, over 90 programs from bachelor's, master's, specialist, uh, and all the way up to PhD and doctorates. Uh, we pride ourselves on having a wonderful public health program, the only accredited school of public health within the state of Mississippi and one of the few HBCUs to have an accredited school of public health. Our College of Business uh, is uh, accredited by AACSB. Uh, only 5% of college of businesses in the world hold that designation and something we're very proud of. Uh, we're very proud of our STEM programs, uh, you know, graduate more than our share. And one of the leader producers of African-American engineers, uh, African-Americans in biology, chemistry, 
Uh, we have an environmental science program, just a multitude of great things going on at Jackson State University. Uh, we have been here since 1877. So this year we will celebrate this October 145 years of existence, uh, starting as a small seminary in Natchez, Mississippi, uh, with just 20 students. So to grow to where we are now uh, has just been amazing. Uh, the growth amazing. trajectory of Jackson State. Yes, amazing. The growth trajectory of Jackson State University. Uh, outside of academics, which is our core mission, uh, you know, research-wise, we do about $50 million a year in research. Uh, we're R2 High Research Institution as designated by the Carnegie Foundation. Uh, one of only 10 HBCUs to hold that designation. Uh, our goal though is to take that next step. And you know, we have those and some other things in our strategic plan. Have a wonderful campus life and environment, uh, the sonic boom of the South, uh, the world renowned sonic boom of the South, the Jackson State University Band has performed all across the world, has performed at the Grammys, at the Emmys and all the major awards, the Super Bowl. Uh, we have an outstanding athletic tradition four Hall of Famers in football uh, included, plus the Hall of Fame coach we have, uh, Coach Prime Deion Sanders, uh, has done a great job of just elevating the brand of Jackson State as a whole, and certainly our football program and HBCU sports in general. Uh, women's basketball uh, just gave a wonderful showing, uh, almost put off a great upset of LSU uh, under our head coach there. Uh, just a wonderful tradition of athletics, academics, campus life right here at Jackson State University. So that's my elevator speech of Jackson State. That's wow, what I wow, use wow. to try to lure uh, more students, even more talented students, more talented faculty uh, to these grounds. Go back. I'm going to take you back to the beginning of what you said, that you're the only comprehensive urban institution in the state. With, and you're the only institution with that designation. Talk to our audience about what that designation means, how you come, how that designation is granted, what it means for the institution, for your students. Because I guarantee you there's folks that listen to this that are just going, what does that actually mean, comprehensive urban institution? And where does that come from? And who gives the designation? It's all that whole thing. Well, you know what, that's a great question. And uh, it's a designation that we received, uh, we became a University, you know, it was Jackson State College. We became a university in 1974. And on our 100th year anniversary, we received the Mississippi's Comprehensive Urban University. Uh, Mississippi is a rural state. Mississippi is a rural state by and large. We're located in the capital city. So the first thing that designation does is establishes us as the state supported state institution within the capital city of Mississippi. Uh, that means a lot. That gives us entree into a lot of different programs that are centered around our mission of solving societal problems, dealing with the needs that one would find uh, in urban settings. So it really gives us just that profile within the state of Mississippi in terms of our placement and in terms of our relationship and close proximity uh, with the capital city. So that's what that means. Uh, it's really something for within the state of Mississippi that highlights our unique placement uh, within this state and also highlights uh, the unique placement of Mississippi, you know, across the broader spectrum, again, being a primarily rural state, but having that urban center at which JSU is at the center of. When people think about Mississippi, I've never been to Mississippi. I've heard great things about Mississippi. Do people think rural? Do they think urban? You know, when you're recruiting students out there, do you have to explain the 
landscape so that students understand it or are you are, are you is your recruitment coming mostly from in the state well, first of all, we have to get you to uh, Mississippi. You've never visited, so we have to make sure we invite you down. And a uh, wonderful go. state, yeah, wonderful state. We'd love to have you. But you know, that's a, that's another great question because a lot of times the outside perception of Mississippi is primarily rural. So when people do visit a Jackson State University, when they come to our campus, when they come to the capital city, uh, sometimes from outside and they've never been here, sometimes they are surprised. They are surprised uh, at the setting. They are surprised that you know, how nice it is. Uh, it does exceed their expectations time and time again. And that's something we wanna to continue to capitalize on. That's why we're constantly showcasing and highlighting the campus in a way to get people down here so they can see some of the great things that are happening. So sometimes, you know, again, we do a lot of out-of-state recruiting. A sizable portion of our population does come from out-of-state. Uh, sometimes there's some education that has to happen. Uh, with the, with people who are not familiar with the state. But by and large, it's large. it just really takes that first visit uh, for people to really be sold on Jackson, Mississippi. Um, I want to talk to you about your strategic plan that okay. I had a chance to review on your website. It's launched and you've put it out and it's comprehensive. It's it's really good, by the way. I, I was able to sit and read through it. It's called Elevate. Um, uh, your Elevate, right? Isn't that the name of it? Or yeah, JSU Elevate, that's correct. Yeah. Talk about that process a little bit because, you know, strategic planning is one of those areas, <laughs> depending on who you ask, they hate it, they love it. I've had so many presidents on there like, oh God, you know, strategic planning, it's, you know, it's this and it's that and you got to go through these committees and da, 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 da. And then you get some folks that, that I have on there like, oh no, we literally, we made it a fast process and we came out with these things. How did you and your university experience the new strategic plan? And, and the secondary question to that is, how hard was it to come up with? Okay, well, let, let me start. Uh, now I'll kind of combine both questions because yeah. actually this process uh, started prior to becoming, becoming president. This process started in 2019. Of course, I became the president in 2020. And right, right during uh, was, COVID, what, what other better time to become a university yeah, president? Yeah, well, right the best time, right, to come during the midst of a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. But no, uh, the process started prior to my becoming president. And actually, my former role as special assistant to the president, I actually co-chaired the strategic planning process and really was working on putting teeth to the plan. So it's about a two-year effort. Uh, it involved a great cross-session of JSU faculty, staff, students, uh, community leaders, really all of those relevant university stakeholders, over 100 in number. Uh, and it involves six uh, specific goals, uh, all related to the overall health and wellness of the university. Uh, goals one, two, and three, goals one, student success. And that just talks about those the strategies to help improve student retention, student graduation rates, and the overall student experience. And what are some of the things we can do to really uh, improve those metrics. Uh, goal two, of course, is academic prominence. And that talks about our academic institutions, really keeping up uh, with the times in terms of our degree offerings, offering more online degrees, offering more of those programs that are attractive to students and expanding on those programs that we already have uh, that really fit in line with the profile of where the world is going from a workforce standpoint. Then of course, goal three is research excellence. You heard me talk about having that high research activity Carnegie designation, something we're proud of, but it's really time to take that next step. Uh, there are no HBCUs 
that have reached that R1 very high research activity status. So we're looking to do that by, again, uh, increasing our research capabilities, growing those strategic partnerships, uh, and driving just an innovation and really using our research for what it's intended uh, in alignment with our mission, helping solve those societal problems, a lot of which are within our own footprint. Uh, just going back to earlier when you talked about what does that urban designation mean, and I talked through how that works in terms of our placement, our research efforts align with our placement as Mississippi's urban institution. Goals four, five, and six, athletic prowess, uh, improving that overall campus infrastructure, those living, learning spaces, uh, really where the action happens. And then goal six, just improving overall campus culture, enhancing our brand, improving our fundraising and alumni engagement. I like to talk about these, um, the strategic plan, not as just separate goals that stand alone, but really goals one, two, and three are dealing with the core mission of the university, that teaching, learning, that research. And then when you look at goals four, five, and six, these are areas, uh, including athletics, which really feed into and support the overall core mission of the university. That's how we see Jackson State University. Wonderful institution has top flight, um, you know, has a top flight athletic program, has a wonderful, beautiful campus, uh, great facilities. We have a wonderful culture, campus culture, a great JSU brand, great alumni. All of that is in service of our core mission, again, as a university that's involved in teaching, involved in learning, uh, and involved in research. Fire. Love it. Um, talk to me a little bit about an HBCU, you know what, one of the funny, not funny, because it's not funny, but one of the phenomenon we're dealing with is declining enrollment, really country, you know, countrywide and even nationally. And I know that one of the very specific, if you look at the research, one of the very specific uh, demos of, of students that are not returning due to the pandemic are black men, mm -hmm. um, not coming back to higher education as much as other demos that are coming back. Are you experiencing that, or is an HBCU for for Black Americans more? Uh, I I don't know what the right word is. More attractive to come back to because of the community, because of the infrastructure, because of the specific support that an HBCU offers. Talk a well, little bit about that and some of the challenges. Well, I'll say this: we haven't been immune to the challenges that you mentioned that are plaguing institutions nationwide, especially COVID. You know, getting. Um, you know, it's been two, we're going into year three, we're into year three, I'm sorry, of being in this pandemic. And it really has had a lot of impact that, that's probably untold and underrated in terms of what students are going to. So a lot of that is driving that national decline in enrollment. And again, a lot of that enrollment is not just students starting colleges, but students not finishing, students leaving mm -hmm. school. Uh, students entering the workforce, uh, just all of those different things. And so for Jackson State University, we haven't been immune. Uh, yes, we did see an enrollment increase. Uh, we did benefit not only from more first-time freshmen, we also benefited from a lot of, uh, of non-traditional students, a lot of uh, people in the workforce who are coming back to seek higher degrees, uh, to seek those advanced degrees, your masters, your doctorates. And thankfully, we offer those programs that are attractive to those in that population. But you're right, you know, we have to take those specific steps to look at our retention, look at our graduation rates. Thankfully, we were starting that work pre-pandemic, but it takes on even more importance right now. 
And, you know, again, there are intentional efforts like all institutions that we have to take. How do we bring those students back? Uh, how do we, you know, those students who were lost during the pandemic, uh, who did again enter the workforce, who left school, how do we bring those students back? At Jackson State, we focused on our uh, overall campus infrastructure, really improving our physical plan, improving the facilities, uh, improving those living and learning spaces. We've also focused on affordability. We recognize that cost uh, matters when it comes to students leaving school. So we've done things like we've held our tuition flat uh, for the past couple of years throughout the pandemic. Um, you know, we have uh, used uh, HERF dollars, dollars that were received through the stimulus plan to help students with their education, clear balances, uh, help with books, help students go through summer school and things like that. So there are a number of things that steps that we've taken at Jackson State to try to mitigate exactly the effects of exactly what you're talking about, just that overall decline of actual students who are seeking college education. Lead Squared isn't only an enrollment CRM. It's a technology that will allow you to optimize your entire front-end student lifecycle by providing decision makers with real-time customizable dashboards. Forecasting, measuring, and optimizing for key activities will increase retention and revenue, and Lead Squared will lower technology costs simultaneously. Not only can Lead Squared align with existing admissions processes, but the technology will also help you innovate beyond what you thought was possible. The ability to access data on your phone will keep you connected, and when you add in the world-class customer service, Lead Squared transcends being a technology. It's an experience. Check them out at leadsquared.com. You know, I've, I've had this thought, my mind, I sit and I think about these things. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I, I do, but, it, it, but maybe it's because of this podcast and the insights that I get from everyone. If you actually go back in time a couple years ago and you look at the whole social unrest piece, George Floyd, and the focus on, on HBCUs that came out of the last couple of years during COVID, and there was a lot of money that went into HBCUs from donations and philanthropy. There was a resurgence. In, in the, go back three or four years, and people were talking about HBCUs literally dying out. Uh -huh. And then two years ago, it's like a resurgence that takes place, but it happens to be in the middle of, the one, like you said, a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. What if you could have taken all of that momentum from if that, that was going into HBCUs and took it outside of the pandemic and put it now or a year from now? It's almost like that, that momentum to put focus on HBCUs and, and the reason for existence and how they contribute to society and, and to black Americans was offsetting the decline the the problems that the in enrollment that the that the uh, pandemic caused and if you actually pulled that apart and you put that if we if we just did it over again and put the same focus on our hbcus now that the pandemic is hopefully coming to an end i'm knocking on wood what would that do you know what i mean am i crazy to think that way what do you think not at all uh you know you have to look at two things uh sustainability uh and elevation uh sustainability a lot of what you're seeing now uh, is really on the universities, it's on the Jackson State University, it's on the HBCUs, it's really on any college and university to turn the momentum you're seeing that you talked about, to turn some of those, uh, you know, the increase in philanthropic efforts, uh, the increase in attention, turn that into things that are sustainable. So what is sustainable? You know, increasing your endowment size so you can 
offer more scholarships. So you can offer more endowed professorships, all of those different things to help you build your capacity. Uh, working on your campus infrastructure, those, again, those teaching though, and learning spaces, those places where students live, how can you use a lot of the momentum that's happening now to improve your overall campus infrastructure? And then just your overall business practices, you know, your bottom line, your cash reserves. How can you use a lot of what's happening now to build your cash reserves, uh, to build your financial profile, so the university, the activities you see now become sustainable? And finally, and also you have to look at elevation. How do you take where you are now and elevate from there? Uh, how do you look at where things are now and say, you know what, this is not the high, this is the baseline. This is where we should have been all along. Now, not alone. Now we need to elevate uh, to a higher level, to another space. Uh, you hear us talk about that. You hear myself talk about that when it comes to research. How do we use what we're seeing now as the baseline and use it to really get more, establish more of those partnerships, people who are calling us now who weren't before okay, how do we establish longer term partnerships? So you're right, when we're three years out, five years out, uh, those things that were put into place are still in existence. So that's what I mean in terms of sustainability, making sure what's in place can stay in place and will continue to serve our needs. And then elevation, how do we look at today as the baseline and determine what are the next steps and how do we grow from here so you don't have this once in a lifetime conversation. It's a constant conversation of how relevant HBCUs are and how we need HBCUs in order for this society to grow. So well said, uh, I, I love that. And, you know, as I think about sustainability, you know, we, we like to talk about sustainability here a lot at the Edip Experience. And one of the things that we do is we like to play a little game in the middle of our episodes. Uh, Thomas, are you, are you game to play a game today? I, I am, I am, let's go here for it. Um, this is Higher Ed Word Association with your contestant today, Tom Hudson. In fact, I know he's going to get every answer right because there's no way to get an answer wrong here. There's also no money involved, Thomas. I hate to tell you this. Is, we have no right. money here at the Edip Experience. Um, right. here, here's what I do. I give you a word or phrase and related to higher education. You give me the first set of thoughts that come to your mind. Take it in any direction you want. Elaborate in any direction that you want. All right. Sure. All here right. we go. Your first word is classroom. First thing I think about with classroom, classroom, I'm sorry, is reimagining, meaning what does a classroom, what did it look like when I was in school 20 plus years ago, what it looks like now, and how will the classroom look in the future? Uh, we're seeing more and more the role that technology plays in the classroom. It's no longer the desk and the blackboard. Uh, it's no longer even the desk and the, uh, you know, the white screen or the desk and the mundo pad it's increasingly becoming more of a 360 experience where a students can access learning either inside the traditional classroom within the four walls of an academic institution, or they can do it from the comfort of their own home. They can do it from their workspace, but they can do so and still get that 360 experience. One of the things that we found during the pandemic, as we talk about, and there was a prediction that, okay, the pandemic will accelerate this shift to online, but what we're finding is the opposite. Students still want that classroom feel, but they want so in a way that works with their lifestyles and work with the way things are going now. So again, when I think about classrooms, really reimagining what does the next decade, the next uh, step, if you will, what does that look like and what the classrooms look like in the future? And I really think this kind of 360 process that it's holistic and allows you to access it either inside or outside the four walls of an institution. 
uh, it's really where, where things are going. And it's going to be up to the colleges and universities to adapt to that. I love it. Okay, ready? Your second word. It's kind of like a pressure situation, but you're too, you're too good to feel pressure. Uh, your next word is student service. I said words, words. Your next words are student and service. Student services. So that's, again, those are those elements of the student experience uh, that involve not just student activities, but also the holistic uh, nature of what colleges and universities provide. You know, it's been said and statistics show that students spend about 80% of their time in college outside of the classroom. Student services, student activities encompass what happens in that 80% of the time. Uh, a lot of that is inclusive of, you know, again, how much time are they spending in financial aid offices? How much time are they spending in the dining halls? How much time are they spending with their environment advisors? I'm sorry. You know, what is it, uh, what is happening outside the classroom and how does that impact student learning and retention? Uh, we have a ways to go in terms of figuring that out. Uh, student wellness, you know, student health, all of those things are wrapped up into overall student services. So again, how are we really servicing the student so that 80% of the time they're outside the classroom does not negatively impact that 20% that they're in the classroom does negatively impact the retention, graduation, and persistence. Well said. Okay, this one's this one's going to be interesting. By the way, I pulled these from a bank of words that I have. They come out completely random for every okay. guest. Your next word is committee. <laughs> oh man, that's that's the most higher ed word ever, right? <laughs> it uh, is. It's committed. But you know what? Committees can be effective if properly managed. And what do I mean by that? A committee, the whole purpose of the committee is to try to get not only buy-in but consistence input from a wide group of stakeholders. So they can be a powerful tool when a university is trying to move in a different direction, when a university is trying to innovate and elevate um, as an institution, how can we bring others into the process? You heard me describe the strategic planning process and how we had over a hundred university stakeholders of all stripes involved. Uh, that was done through a committee system, right? That was done through a system in which you pulled a number of people together get their input, get their buy-in in order to come out with what was a great product. Uh, that's the best case scenario of what we try to do with committees in higher ed. Sometimes the worst case scenario, of course, is you know you don't want a committee to be where great ideas go to die. So again, you have to manage it, you need it, uh, but it can be a powerful tool uh, within higher education. Okay, last one, here we go. ROI. Oh, yes, return on investment. And, you know, I think you're seeing a lot more of those terms based on who's in higher ed and who's leading these institutions. Uh, it used to be the traditional institutional leader, higher education leader, was someone who came through the academic ranks, right? And, and you still see a lot of that, and that's necessary, but increasingly you're seeing people coming from business. And you're seeing higher ed being run increasingly as a business. So what leaders are not asking themselves is, when you present us with an idea, what's gonna be the return on investment with that idea? You see a lot of that in terms of college athletics. Uh, if we're gonna spend so much money on athletic facilities, if we're gonna spend so much money on these coaches, well, how do we justify doing, those, doing so? Well, let's calculate the return on investment. Let's talk about for every $1 we spend, eight comes back in terms of marketing, student, uh, student tuition, uh, philanthropic dollars, all of those different things. So again, ROI is, uh, 
I wouldn't say a newer concept in higher ed, but it's certainly on the lips of every leaders because at some point, at some level, you have to justify the actions that you're taking. You have to justify any new dollars that you're requesting, any new programs. And, and the model is based on what's that return on investment going to be. Wow, that's pretty incredible. We're going to actually go to the judges here and see if all your answers were right. 100%. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the most recent episode of Higher Ed Word Association with your contestant, Thomas Hudson. Okay, now that we have that part done, Thomas, we can get back to the talking about higher ed, even though we have been. Um, uh, but I do like to put in that, you know, I always say I could do a whole episode and just spit out a higher ed word. You get a good, good president on here and just crush them because every single word we use, whether it's inside baseball or, or outside, comes with so much complexity in higher education, so much planning and execution, good and bad. And what, what comes out, one of the outputs of higher education as of late, um, in a negative sense, has been the value question of higher education, uh -huh. the anti-intellectualism movement. I've had a lot of folks on this podcast, in fact, that have gone, look, the college degree is in question, the value is in question, People don't need it anymore. I've had great college presidents on here. You know who um, comes to mind? Her name is uh, Dr. Darian Howard. She's president of Nevada uh, State College in, in Nevada. And she came on and said, give me, you're going to have 50,000, 500,000 people for every five Elon Musk that you have. So yeah, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to give college to as many students as possible, exactly. uh, especially in, in, uh, for people of color who are coming from a, a lower economic background or have been disadvantaged over the years. It's how you create generational wealth to create access and all of these things. Where do you stand? Where do the students at Jackson State stand? What, what's the thought, messaging, uh, ideas around that value concept? Well, you know, it's interesting. I actually had this conversation, not with a current JSU student. I've had that conversation before, but I was at an event of forum and there was a ninth grade student that came to me and was pretty adamant about me explaining why a degree was of value to her. Like, why should I go through this experience when I think about the debt and when I think about all of those different things? Why should I go through this experience? And of course, I can spot off statistics. You know, you the average college graduate earns over their lifespan millions of dollars more than the non-college graduate. And that's even tr more true now in terms of when you think about inflation and just the way the job market is working. But, you know, again, what when people ask that question, it's almost like they're looking for a guarantee of outcome, meaning does going to college guarantee my outcomes? Does it guarantee those great outcomes that you all speak of all the time? And their answer is no, they do not. But what they do is hedge against the most negative outcome possible. What do I mean by that? Uh, you can compare it to, you know, the COVID vaccine. Uh, will the vaccine keep you from getting COVID? No. But will it more likely to not keep you from the worst consequences of COVID? Absolutely. A college degree will help mitigate the risk and more likely to not keep you from the worst consequences of life being out there in the workforce. There's not a person out there who didn't go to college who won't say or who hasn't been bypassed by someone who did. And those are the risks you take when you don't pursue that college degree. So again, in terms of return on investment, you can look at statistics, you can talk anecdotally about various experiences, but the fact of the matter is with the way society is headed, uh, it's becoming more and more advanced, technologically advanced, it's becoming more and more virtual, and it's really becoming more and more about what you know and what you can do. 
the college degree is your best hedge against those potentially negative outcomes as it relates to competing in those spaces. One of my, one of my uh, uh, previous colleagues said that it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And then somebody else around me said, well, that's a pretty expensive way to think about it. And I thought to myself, but really, is it? Because you're talking about a lifetime, right? You're talking about a lifetime of, of job changes. And, you know, I think, what is the stat now that people change jobs up to seven times? And, you know, previous generations, they might change jobs one time or two times. And so it is really hedging against the future. It's, it's actually pretty funny because I always wonder, um, do people who have graduated from college tell their who are questioning the value of that tell their kids not to go i always wonder that you know are they the ones that go you know what don't go to college can you look your kid in the face and say you know what college is not for you it just would be feel really weird to say that and i just it's it's just one of these phenomenons that i don't fully understand it um maybe it's the cost and inflation and all these things but in the end it's not about short-term gain it's about a long-term gain right right it's about you know people will use their negative experiences to inform what may or may not happen to you. So, you know, if I'm a parent, if I'm a relative, if I'm a friend and I might've had a negative college experience, uh, maybe that's what I'm imparting onto you more so than uh, what the statistics say and what the reality says, which is again, you're far more better off with a college degree or even an advanced degree than not. So I, I can understand it. I've actually seen it happen. I've seen that play out in real time. But you have to take a step back and really look at what it is you're trying to do. What are your goals? Uh, what are your career goals? And can you do that without a college degree? I think you will be hard pressed if you did a top 10 or a top 100 even, you will be hard pressed to find more than a few that didn't involve some level of advanced learning. And again, it could be a college degree. It may be some certification that requires you to take college level type courses, right? Uh, in order to access that. But you're going to be hard pressed to find those careers, those high demand careers that are out there in STEM and in healthcare, very hard pressed to find um, opportunities in those fields that doesn't require a college degree. So right. Well, we like to uh, ask our guests the same couple of questions as we close out our episodes. I'm going to give them to you now. Number one, what did we not say about you, about Jackson, Jackson State, about HBCUs, anything that you want to say, website, events, whatever. Take take a take a couple of minutes and do your own um, your own gratuitous uh, uh, plugging, uh, Thomas, if you would. And then, secondly, what do you see as the future of higher education? Well, I'm going to start with the second question, then I'll go with my shameless plug because they're Absolutely. somewhat related. Uh, you know, when you think about education. Uh, from the beginning, again, Jackson State will be 145 years old uh, this October. From the beginning, education, you know, we were founded to teach freed slaves, newly freed slaves. It was about how do they advance and elevate in this changing world. As much as we think the world is changing under our, our time, right? It's like, oh my goodness, so all these things are happening. Imagine what it must have felt like in 1877, uh, the changing world. By the world way, the name world. of your strategic plan coming back you keep using the word elevate so i, just I keep using the word elevate look that that's that's a next game we're going to play a drinking game on how many times you hear me say elevate right but um think about what it must have been like for that person that freed slave in 1877 um in this still vast now unfamiliar society 
what do I do and how do I advance my station? How do I advance the station of my family? What is it that's gonna take me to the next step? HBCUs were founded for that very reason. This is how you advance. You advance through education. You advance through increasing your knowledge base. You advance through being exposed to these, uh, to this, these lessons and to these opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise be exposed to. And that has not changed. That has not changed 145 years, 200 years, no matter how far you go back, the core of what we do really hasn't changed. It's teaching, it's learning, it's research, and using those things to elevate not only the individual, but to elevate the community and the world surrounding. And so when you talk about where higher ed is going to go, we're going to continue in that direction, but we're going to do so in new ways. We're going to do so more through social media than you've seen before. We're going to do so more through the use of technology uh, than you've seen before. Who knows what's the next big thing out there, right, that higher ed is going to use to innovate and help inform how we deliver our core product, which is, again, at teaching and learning and research. So it's going to be more of in terms of where higher ed is going. Who can really tell you, right? Because that's just like asking where the world is going. All I can tell you is that no matter where the world goes and no matter how things become more technologically advanced, as long as there are people looking to improve their life and as long as there are people that's wanting to improve their station, their family station and their community as a whole, as long as those are goals, higher ed will remain relevant and will be a clear, a clear key part of that conversation and that process. And for Jackson State University, again, we've been doing that for 145 years from our origins to today. Um, our path is, is limitless. You know, the ceiling for Jackson State is limitless. We're going to continue to grow. We're looking at new programs. We're going to, sorry, not looking at, we're starting new programs in supply chain and construction management. Two things that when you talk to business leaders, those are the main issues that you see. How do we move goods and services from one space to another. And Jackson State, as far as where we're situated geographically and where we're situated in terms of you know, our research and just the overall university community and STEM and the College of Business, which sit at the intersection of that, it's only proper that we uh, gain a foothold in that particular market and really become a part of the solution in helping industries move goods and services from one place to the other which is really on the lips of every CFO, a CEO, I'm sorry, and every entrepreneur that you see. So again, you know, Jackson State will continue to do the work uh, that we've done since our founding. Uh, we'll continue to elevate uh, here at Jackson State and we'll continue to do so uh, in a time and space where we're affordable and we're accessible to students of all, uh, all backgrounds, all demographics and all races. Wow. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. He, uh, Thomas, you're a, a visionary leader. I appreciate you coming on the EdUp Experience. Uh, I know I didn't introduce you properly at the beginning with, uh, with an applause, so I'm going to give you one on the way out here. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Thomas K. Hudson. He's the president of Jackson State University. Oh, there's the crowd standing up for him. Uh, Thomas, I hope you had a great EdUp Experience today. Uh, it was wonderful. I appreciate it. Uh, it was definitely fun. And, uh, Thank you for having me on, and uh, please invite me back in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed up. The Lead Squared integrated CRM functionality will put your institution at the front end of marketing and enrollment strategy by delivering a streamlined admissions process. 
capture student interest, segment your audience, create student engagement workflows, and even integrate with your student information system to create longitudinal key performance metrics you've always wanted. You can do all of this and lower your technology costs. Check out leadsquare.com for more info.